Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week Interview podcast. I'm Glossy's senior fashion reporter, Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Hello, Jill. Hello, Danny. We are actually sitting in the same room for the first, the second time ever uh, doing this podcast. We are seeing each other in person. We're in Florida right now, in Naples, Florida. We just wrapped the last day of the Glossy uh, Luxury Fashion Summit, Future of Luxury and Fashion. Um, Three-day event, some really great speakers. That's one of the things we're going to talk about on the podcast today is some of the great conversations we had with with people here. Um, but we're also going to talk about Julie Wainwright stepping down from her role as CEO of The Real Real, which happened minutes before I went on stage with the CMO of Rebag. So we definitely talked about that um, here at the event. And then we're also going to talk about the potential of Fendi working with Marc Jacobs. Um, I'll kind of lead the discussion on Julie Wainwright since that's more my area. And Jill, you can kind of lead the talk on the Fendi thing. But let's start with um, The Real Real, just because that's in the news. Um, if you didn't see, uh, Julie Wainwright is the founder of The Real Real. She's been there for years and years, and she kind of abruptly stepped. It was like a, an effective immediately departure for her. Um, so kind of, it's a little, <laughs> yeah. Um, normally, if it's more of a planned thing, then maybe there's a couple month period. And, and she is staying on as an advisor, as founder role for, I think, until the end of the year or something. Um, but other than that, she's like out right now. Right? Um, she's and, not on the board. She's mm-hmm. stepping down as a member of the board and a board chair, which, um, yeah, it's kind of an extreme jump. We, we usually yeah. see they stick on the board. Yeah, they stay on the board or there's kind of a gradual thing. It's like really just right then and there she's out. Um, in the So they don't have a permanent replacement yet. In the meantime, um, Radi Sahi Levesque, who is their um, chief operating officer and president, um, she's going to be co-interim CEO with Robert Julaine, who's the chief financial officer. So they'll probably run the show for at least a couple of months before they find a, a replacement. But yeah, it, it was very abrupt and and very extreme, although um, it kind of um, seems like it was maybe not uh, not completely out of nowhere. Um, the Real Real makes a lot of money, but they have not been profitable um, they're, since their IPO, I, I read that they lost like 90% of their value. Their last couple of earnings has not been super great. Um, and even though they're still growing, it's kind of like, you know, it's, it hasn't been great for them since going public. So I wonder if that has something to do with her departure, if they want to bring some fresh blood in and see if they can kind of get things back on the upward trajectory. Um, what are your yes. thoughts, Joe? Yeah, I think you're onto something. Um, there were comments in other stories that were written about this, about that um, investors may have more confidence in the company if they brought on a CEO with more experience operating a profitable company, uh, a profitable public company. Um, because yes, profitability has always been the goal, but definitely pr- um, prioritized since the start of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, as everyone really sees, growth at all costs doesn't work in these troubled times. But um, you've talked a lot to Roddy, um, mm-hmm. which they like to position her maybe as the voice of the I've talked to her brand. more. She does more interviews, and and I've she's much more um, yeah public-facing than Julie ever has. I think I've only met Julie once at an event for my old job, like years ago, like when they were not really super well-known outside of like California and stuff, they kind of were, but it was pretty early on. And that was the last time I saw her in public or at any kind of like fashion event. I'm sure she does stuff, but yeah, Yeah. Roddy is much more public. 
Totally. And she's kind of the interim co-CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make sense for me to, for her to move into that role. I don't know what her background is, but um, I'm with you. I I had never seen Julie. And when we ask for um, a source or a leader um, and even ask for Julie directly, um, always Roddy is, is offered up, always very um, knowledgeable about the ins and outs of the company. She's with it. Um, but yeah, it, and it's yeah. It, almost like Emily Weiss at Glossier, who just mm-hmm. also stepped down. Like yeah. we we ne- we did not get FaceTime with her. Um, they it's typically Allie Weiss at Glossier, which is she's great too. Um, well, didn't but, Allie Weiss step down or not step down? But didn't she leave as well? They both left. I, I believe so. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's. It, I think the the point you made is good about like. Have, being a CEO of a public fa- or sorry a public company is different than being a CEO of a startup and and maybe somebody like Julie is is better for building a company from the ground up better in the startup phase and then when you're when you're a public company and you have to deal with shareholders and earnings reports and all this stuff it like to- really becomes like a totally different kind of thing so yeah it might just be that they they want somebody who has more experience with that um the the profitability thing is also interesting you're you're definitely right that it seems uh, counterintuitive to say that a lot of brands like are like don't really have much interest in, maybe not interest but remain unprofitable for years and years and years and that's like fine that's normal um, and recently I definitely feel like there's been a, a strong shift towards just staying profitable and as a good point of contrast I was talking to Elizabeth Lane who's the CMO of Rebag and she was talking about how Charles Gora who's the, the, the founder of Rebag another luxury resale company he has been like profitability focused from the beginning. Um, he's more of like a financial kind of guy anyway. So he's like, you know, she, so she just was contrasting that like, um, you know, that's been their goal from day one. And and they have, they're not as big as the real real, but they also have not had as much kind of tumultuous ups and downs as the real real too. For sure. Charles, we love Charles. Um, we do love Charles. And you have a good point also about um, you're a founder, you're Leading a startup, different story. We know Katrina Lake from Stitch Fix also recently stepped down, um, I think in 2021. Um, so we'll see. And Julie Wainwright, like this, it's not her first rodeo. Like she yeah. took pets.com public as their CEO, which right. also had um, not the best fate after it went public. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it makes sense to me. We often say like when a company starts hiring C-suite folks, um, we saw a lot of CMOs hired in the last year. Um, Everlane recently hired a CMO, which <laughs> has since, I guess, stepped down. But um, anyway, you, it's like that that means it shows they're getting kind of serious about growth and about the company. And, um, and I just think some people, you know, they're not equipped to they don't. Ha- they know they don't have the expertise. It would make sense for them to just decide to step down for the for the betterment of the company and put somebody with more experience at the at the helm. Yeah, definitely. One final thing on the real real, and then we we can move on. But this is totally not scientific, not backed up by data. This is purely my speculation. I wonder um, how how much their their costs are for all their stores. They have a lot of physical stores. They're very beautiful, but they're big and they're like in expensive areas. And personally, like, I feel like I, I've gone into their stores a bunch. I've never once bought something in the store. I only buy their stuff online. And I feel, again, this is purely just my speculation. I feel like most people I know just shop 
them online or through the app. I know a lot of people love the app, but they have these big, beautiful stores. And stores can be like a loss leader kind of thing where they don't make a lot of money, but they are a good branding thing. So that's that's okay. Um, but I wonder if their stores are just like, you know, really expensive and, and drain. yeah, drain. Yeah, that's a, such a good point. And it's a differentiator for them, I think, that a lot of the luxury resale companies that are coming to market or are rising um, in, in terms of their popularity, they don't have stores. So I think that it's probably, um, yeah, again, a drain on the company. But And it's different. Like you go online, you can find treasures, things that um, – I guess almost a steal, like you would mm-hmm. even like it reminds me of thrifting. I mean, you have to just dig and search and hunt, um, but you can always find something that you're like, wait, what? Um, in store, it to me, it's like a showroom of the best of the best, the real, real. And for a shopper like me, who's not in the top one percent, and I go in and I'm like, wow, beautiful, beautiful, eat my heart out. I don't buy anything in their store because it's yeah. not those, yeah, buried treasures. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, a lot more to say on Real Real, but let's move on and, and maybe we'll come back to this in another episode. Um, but Jill, so there was a report in, I think, Women's Wear Daily about Fendi and Marc Jacobs. Um, t- tell us about it. Yes. Well, yeah, the rumor is uh, Fendi, Marc Jacobs, they're going to come out with something together, potentially a collaboration, potentially around New York Fashion Week or as soon as New York Fashion Week in September. Um, I got excited. I'm such a Marc Jacobs fan. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. Um, And he definitely is one to really, I think, evolve with the times. He's been fairly quiet in recent years. In terms of the main collection, we know Marc by Marc Jacobs kind of Um, was dissolved into the main core collection. But at the same time, two years ago, he launched, I think it's called Heaven by Marc Jacobs or just Heaven, very Gen Z focused, gender, genderless, gender fluid. Um, It's very kind of casual comfort wear. Um, It just looks like the clothes you would see on TikTok or that would resonate with the TikTok crowd. Um, Very young. And, you know, he taps into pop culture. Nicki Minaj was heading the face of the spring 2022 campaign. He's had Lady Gaga on the runway. The fact of the matter is he's he does things that um, are timely. At the same time, Fendi is getting a lot of buzz with all of their recent collaborations. Yeah, Fendachi. Fendachi with Versace, with Skims. Um, yes, Fendi Skims, yeah. Totally. And they have a great history together. Um, they have a great history together. Um, Kim Jones and Marc Jacobs um, worked together at Louis Vuitton. Uh, Kim heading up the the menswear division and Marc Jacobs doing the full collection. Um, and it would just make sense. They're both LVMH brands. Uh, we saw two caring brands, uh, Balenciaga and and Gucci team up recently for, for a collab. So anyway, it's, to me, it makes amazing, perfect sense sense. It's yeah. exciting. Um, and let's get Marc Jacobs out there <laughs> just yeah. because it's so talented and yeah, very, very quiet, I would say. I, I didn't even think of this at the time, but the the Fendi and Skims thing, two Kims working together. Did not think about that at the time. I didn't um, either. <laughs> Kim, Kim Jones and Kim Kardashian. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious to see how it debuts because like you said it's the rumor is potentially something at new york fashion week um if they did do something and the the fendachi thing debuted with a show right and it was kind of was it it was like a surprise show i think Um, so too so like it could be the kind of another surprise kind of thing or that it's like it's the show first and then it kind of like goes out into the world um i uh 
I think that would be the kind of thing that New York Fashion Week uh, would benefit from, something yeah. like that. Um, some exciting, especially with like now rumor floating around ahead of time, you know, building buzz and stuff. It's like the kind of thing that's sort of been missing from New York Fashion Week a little bit. So if they can make that happen, I mean, that would be that would be great for like the CFDA and, you know, all those people. Let, yes, please. Let's do it. That's really all I've got. Like, it's just a rumor. Mm-hmm. Um TBD. And again, I hope it's, I said fashion week. I hope it is New York. Who's to say? Uh, I guess it's not necessarily (laughs) New York fashion week. I guess it could be um, elsewhere. Um, Well, one final thing is just, uh, we we talked about this with Fendachi. It does feel like the big luxury brands are um, like the LVMH houses and stuff are, are a lot more open to collaborations recently um, with each other. So obviously they're, they're collaborating with a like fellow LVMH brand. So it's not necessarily like, you know, crossing any um, conglomerate borders or anything, but it just in general, it's good to see those big houses like not being such walled gardens um, yeah. as much as they used to be. True, true. Um, all right. And then last thing, since we're here in Florida, we just wrapped up the summit. Um, we should talk about some of the things we heard. We had some really great speakers. We had people from Levi's, Faith Connection, uh, My Teresa, Ring Concierge, all these great people. Um, we talked a lot about luxury. Um, and that's, you know, I don't want to summarize the entire event right now, but um, one of the things just to focus on was like the luxury shopper, who they are, what the luxury even means, because the, the definition is changing a lot. Um, I can I can share some thoughts first, but the, the last session, which I literally just did like two hours ago, um, was with Nicole Wegman from Ring Concierge. It's like a jewelry brand. And um, they sell, this is so interesting. She told me they sell, their cheapest item is $70 and their most expensive thing is like a million or more. Um, so they have a huge, just a incredibly wide range. And, you know, she was saying that for a long time, luxury brands have been very fearful of low prices. Like they separate it out, like they, you know, they make some separate line or something, or they don't do it at all because they're they've always been so scared of like diluting the the prestige of the brand. Like, well, if we if we sell something, you know, at lower than what we normally do, then people will why would anyone buy it for the higher price? And she had the thought that that's just not really how people think anymore, and that if the prestige is still there, even if there is like more accessible things to get. And she said from her side of the business, she was like worried about it, um, that exact thing as at first. And, you know, since, and cause she started with it when the brand started, it was, um, the floor was $10,000. There was nothing cheaper than $10,000. Um, and now like they down to under a hundred for some stuff. And she said, it's been no dilution at all. The, the wealthier customers are still buying the seven-figure, six-figure jewelry, but now there's just an, an additional customer who buys the lower-end stuff. So um, maybe not every brand can pull that off, but it is doable. She she said that they've seen no issues from doing that. It's really interesting. I think a lot of the conversation that came up this week had to do with, like, um, I guess, debunking myths about the luxury consumer, like you said. Um, and it's not about price point. There is, they Luxury does, they want um, exclusivity in some cases, um, where maybe not in terms of like um, building up walls and certain people are excluded, but I, would, I guess more limited edition, I would say. Like mm-hmm. um, they don't want everybody else to be wearing what they're wearing and that, that's luxury. Um, but some of the other habits that were mentioned, which were news to me, like for instance, um, there was word that the to reach a luxury consumer, the platform that's most effective in terms of social media is Pinterest. Like that's where um, some of the oh, luxury yeah. brands were seeing good traction. Also, 
Um, there was a funny stat, which I I did not know, that um, 80% of luxury consumers will look at Amazon reviews for the item before they buy. Yes. So they don't buy on Amazon. So they're using Amazon as a review of a review site, which all these crazy, I don't know, facts and stats, which I, I would not yeah. think that luxury shoppers are on Amazon and Pinterest personally. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great point. And another thing that came up in, in one of my discussions with people was um, the demographics on TikTok because there was, a, there was a woman here who's actually from like a yacht company. And she was talking a lot about like, most of their customers are like dinosaurs or like 60 <laughs> or 70 years old or or older. Um, and anyway, so, so in this conversation, other people were chiming in uh, about like how to target kind of like middle of the the pack, like age demographics, like 30s or whatever. Um, and something that came up was that you'd think that TikTok is like, you know, for like 12 to 17 year olds or something. And there's definitely a lot of those, but there's a huge, huge portion of TikTok users that are like 18 to 34. Like the majority of TikTok users are 18 to 34. Um, and so for luxury brands that are courting a younger than dinosaur audience, <laughs> um, but not quite so young that you're like in high school and can't afford anything, um, TikTok has actually been super effective for a lot of those people. Yeah, I keep saying to like our team, we can't keep saying like, they're on TikTok to reach Gen Z. Like, did we confirm that? Do we just assume that? Because yeah. we, of course, Gen Z was the early adopter of the platform. Mm -hmm. um, but but not the only adopters anymore. There, There's a lot of different people. There's even like a, a good amount, not a huge amount, but a good amount of older people are on TikTok now too. Yeah, because it's for anything and everything, recipes, you name it. Um, one of the other big conversations that came out of our town hall, which is on this topic, is um, really appealing to the 1% or how to reach the 1% or how to um, even, I guess, have them as a direct connection. Um, the ultra um, wealthy high spend customers, um, there were some, some comments to the effect of, you know, they don't want you to have their information in any way, yeah. um, whether that's their email address or address. Um, they'll maybe find something online, they'll come pick it up. What was this crazy, crazy comment? Um, they just, they want full privacy. Yeah, discretion, um, I think was the word that was used, that high net worth customers, like, they really value discretion. I think it was um, Tati Ferreira from Neiman Marcus was talking about how, uh, or no, it was after her session, somebody else was talking about, um, anyway, not important at all. Um, <laughs> but the idea that like for a lot of high net worth people, they they don't want their information entered into like a database. They want it like written in a book, like with paper and pen, like by a human being. And that and it's like, you know, and if the book gets left in a taxi, then it's then it's lost forever. Um, but they they don't want to be yeah targeted, like programmatically retargeted all these like tracking, like you know, the way that you market to like everybody else that that's I guess just doesn't work for them. For sure. And there's almost um, Heather Kamenetsky from, from my Teresa, president of the North American market, um, was talking about basically what you hear in the press or what you hear brands say about how they um, treat their, or what they offer their ultra VIP customers. Usually they're not talking the ultra, ultra high spend customers. They're talking about a next year down where they're doing these maybe special dinners or um, they have a special VIP program that has these amazing perks. But then there's the like top 
50 shoppers in New York and um, they're really <laughs> going to town online with their, with their spending um, and they'll do private events they don't talk about. Maybe they'll go to the New York Ballet and they'll say, um, you get a private show, you get to talk to the ball ballerinas afterward. Our founder, our CEO is going to be there to kind of tell you what's coming with the brand. And this just like really like, I think she said you can't put a price tag on it. These memorable experiences where they'll just go away, talk about it for a long time, remember how you treated them, remember the the service and the, I guess the extras, like mm -hmm. that no, they weren't promised, they weren't expected, expecting, and that really works to win them over. Yeah, definitely. Well, it was very fun three days. And we had, like I said, we had a lot of great speakers. Um, I think that's all we have time for now, but we will have a lot of coverage from the, the summit on glossy.co. Um, so if you want to read quotes or interviews or, you know, deep dives into a lot of what was talked about, um, you know, pay attention to the site and you'll see it there. Um, if you haven't given us a rating and a review, please do that. Five stars would be great. Um, but you know, uh, that's very helpful. Um, and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you should, because not only will you hear me and Jill talking every Friday, you'll also hear Jill talking to industry insiders every Wednesday. Um, Jill, Jill, do you know who's on deck? I do know. It's Alyssa Wasco. She's the founder and designer of Donnie, which is Elevated mm. Basics. And one of those founders who really is going against the grain in terms of uh, self-funded and not really being data-driven. She's really driven by her passion and creativity. And I just became a fan in the conversation. So check it out. That sounds great. Well, I think that's all for today. Thank you all for listening. And I am going to the pool. 